Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I'm here with executive producer, co-host, and author extraordinaire, Mark Griffith. Thank you guys for joining us, and we're so excited to have you and um, grateful for the opportunity to speak into your life today. And we have some exciting stuff that we're going to be sharing with you in our special show today. And, you know, one of the biggest reasons that we started the Housing Hour, really from Mortgage Investors Group standpoint, was to give back to our community. And not only that, but to give people the opportunity to um, have a, an outlet to bring stuff out like we had Mark um, just the other day, Mark Watson from Oak Ridge to give us information about his community. We've had uh, Mayor Rojero. We've had all of these. Sally Sparks. Sally Sparks just last week. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And people who are giving back to the community and give them a platform to be able to speak about things that are going on. And, you know, Mortgage Investors Group is our sponsor for our show. And that was the driving force and why we started this show. And so over the years, we've done just that. You know, we've had special programs. We've had special series. We've done special series on um, different aspects of our of our soldiers. And, and we've had many, many, many shows that really revolved around giving back to our community. And, and you know, this time, this time of year, we always have a special show around Halloween. Oh, yeah. Right? And we always have that special show. And we've in the past, we've had great paranormal people come on our show, and it's been really interesting. Right? It's been interesting. It's been fun. Right. But we're changing gears this year a little bit because if you guys recall, Mark had done a story. Um, I guess it was, what, four or five months ago? It was in uh, June uh, for July. Okay. And it was about the Oak Ridge Pool. Right. And it was the history because we were coming up on the 70th anniversary, right? Of the uh, pool. Yes. And so as Mark was doing the investigation about the pool and its history and learning more about it, he stumbled upon a really amazing story, a murder story. And it was a a murder story about um, something that happened in, in, in our neck of the woods. It was an incredible story of, of really just very much intrigue around the country. And this was happened in, in the 20s, right? Yeah, 1921. Right. And, it, and what's interesting, it really kind of spanned over Knoxville, started in Knoxville, mm-hmm. and ended in Oakdale, Tennessee. Right. But uh, the, a murder occurred in Robertsville, Tennessee, which we know today as Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Right. And this is one of those pieces of history that I don't want to say has been lost because you were able to uncover it, but it had been maybe hidden, I suppose. Well, it, it had... It had been hidden, mm-hmm. and and really, it was about to be lost as far as all location aspects of the murder, mm-hmm. because there's just one generation left that remembers where the murder occurred, mm-hmm. and I was able to find them through help of uh, uh, Dennis uh, Eggert in mm-hmm. Oak Ridge and Fred Eller. There's a lot of historians out there that helped me find and mm-hmm. un- unlock this mystery. Well, let's unpack it a little bit. First of all, what year was it that this occurred, the event? It actually occurred on May 30th, 1921. May 30th, 1921. And back then, if you can think of what the roads look like and what the vehicles look like and, you know, kind of all of the aspects of, of what 
society looked like. We're talking about a different time of our, uh, you know, of our life. And, and it was completely different. You know, the cars looked a lot different. The roads looked a lot different. Oh, well, the people were roads. a lot different. The roads were terrible. I right. mean, you got outside of the city limits into what they called the country, mm-hmm. not even county roads. They called them country roads at that time. Um, you still had a Wild West feel about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were great communities out there that in Clinton and um, Scarborough and, and um, Robertsville, Tennessee, going into Oliver Springs and Harriman and Oakdale. These were all had a different feel, different uh, style of living than uh, mm-hmm. what we really lives today right and not only that but people made a living in different ways as well i mean you had moonshiners you know i mean that's hey that was a fact of life prohibition i guess was in full swing at that point yeah it was about a year into prohibition right Uh, so 1921 when this occurred had been about a year and a half into prohibition everybody was terrified of that Mm -hmm. and that kind of like set the stage for the story Mm -hmm. and there was there i mean there were farms. I mean, people were still, you know, all over this county. And Going others. outside of Knoxville and Clinton into Robertsville, it was mostly a farming community. And so you had estates, you know, you might have an estate with a big farm, and then you might not have another farm, you know, for three or four miles or two miles. Yeah. It wasn't like neighborhoods is all I'm saying. I mean, it was, it was not neighborhoods. Yeah. So so on this day, the, the subject that we'll be talking about is Andrew Crumley to begin the story. He was he was just just another day for this young man, and he was sitting there waiting to um, be hired as a taxi driver at the depot, the train depot in Knoxville, right? Yeah, so you have Southern Railway Station on Depot Street in Knoxville, and everybody's familiar with this iconic uh, place, and mm. it's a beautiful museum today. It's re- totally restored, mm-hmm. so if you ever want to go down there, but... Uh, right at the bridge going out from the second story of the railway station on Depot Street is used to be the old uh, uh, taxi stand. Mm-hmm. So that's where this occurred. Mm-hmm. So in 1921, uh, Andrew Crumley had his uh, Chandler 6 taxi pulled up, mm-hmm. waiting, waiting for the next fare to come about. And, of course, taxis lined up behind him. Which is a big, back then, that was a very big, robust car that seated eight, I think it was? Seven. Seven? It had seven passenger. Mm-hmm. It was a six-cylinder, con- considered to be the strongest, most powerful engine of the day. At least that's what they purported. But yeah. more importantly, it had big wheels on it, mm-hmm. so it was supposed to uh, handle steep grades in mud and sand and, and power the, the, you know, through anything. Right. And so whenever he was sitting there, he was approached by... A group. Actually, it wasn't a group at two that men. point. It was two men. Two men, well-dressed. Um, young, well-dressed in, young men. They're in their 20s. and They, they uh, needed a ride. They needed a ride. And they. Th- it wasn't unlike anything that he had heard before, but there started to become some differences when they where they wanted to go. Yeah, what they wanted was that taxi. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were sitting waiting for the right car to come up to be available to uh, hire. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a big, powerful car. And who car. were these two men? These were these Charles Petrie and John McClure. Mm-hmm. And they were looking as, with the full intention of stealing a taxi cab that could power them through what turns out to be a bank robbery. Mm-hmm. And so they knew that they needed a good, strong getaway car, and they targeted this car. So a- Andrew Crumley was there, pulled up next, waiting for his fare. But this was no random choice uh, it was a targeted car. They were waiting for the right one. These guys were not um, your common criminals. These were well-dressed, you know, appear to be educated, whatever, you know, come from a good home kind of folks, you know. Yeah, and, they were young. Yeah. They, they were engaging, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so. Andrew, the pictures I've seen, I mean, they had nice, they had a, a tie. Pinstripe. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, they kind of look like the gangsters of the yeah. old. Yeah, but that was the style of, of uh, clothes that they wore. They were well-dressed. Yeah. And so they decided, they told Andrew Crumlin they wanted to go to Clinton, right? Yeah. That's so where their they, first stop was. They wanted to hire him to 12, and they negotiated the fare, which oh. was like $3 for city roads and $3.50 per hour for country roads, mm-hmm. as they said. Right. And so they got in the car. They agreed with it. And immediately upon pulling out from the depot, Kevin, um, uh, the one of the guys in the back said that, um, well, once we get to Clinton, we're going to stop for a bit, and then we're going to drive out into the country for a little bit, mm-hmm. giving no specific location, which threw up a red f- flag for Andrew Crumbly because right. of prohibition. Right. Yeah, because he thought maybe they were needing to go to their whatever you call it. Exactly. Uh, and, still. And they're still, exactly. Their gin mill. Or yeah, whatever. Their, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> whatever you would call it. So that raised a red flag. So he decided, Andrew Crumley decided that, okay, I'll do that, but I'd like to stop and pick up a friend. Yeah, he wanted somebody there. And he told the guys, that, hey, look, I need a friend because the roads are tough. They're hard to see. There's, you know, I need some uh, help driving back from this long way because it takes very, I mean, it's not like today you can run out to Clinton in 20 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it would take an hour and a half maybe in the bad roads at night, maybe longer if you go into Robertsville area heading mm-hmm. that direction. He doesn't know where he's going. So he, so wanted, some he wanted some friends. And so Crumley the taxi driver detours kind of over to the the house where they live. West or Cumberland. It was it was a boarding. What kind of house? Was it was it? a boarding house. It was a boarding it, house. apartment complex. We okay. call it today. But so they were both a, residents there. They were both residents there. The best that I could tell, um, they in the newspaper claimed that they were both living there. Mm-hmm. And so he he talked to a friend and said, "Hey, I need some help." And here, let's, let's go. And just a uh, coincidence no, that that Lewis, the gentleman he picked up, George Lewis. Yes. Correct? His daughter lived in Clinton. Yeah, so George okay. Lewis was sitting on the porch and overheard this conversation of Andrew offering the ride to a friend of his and mm-hmm. said, hey, look, can I go instead of your buddy there because I've got a oh. daughter that lives in Clinton, Tennessee. I didn't realize that yeah. part of the story. Wow, wow, okay. Because it does not end well for George. Let's it just doesn't say that. end well for George. Not at all. Um, and so let's move on to the story because I think that this is one of the most amazing parts. When they decide... That kind of gave me chills, though, thinking about yeah. that. I did not realize that, that he Yeah, had he wanted to see his daughter. His, her name was Alta. So, he, so Alta she came Steer. in. He came in and said, wait, 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 I'd like to go. Yeah, he came oh, in. Wow. I, I'd like to go with you because I want to see my daughter, who happened to have his grandchild. So oh, okay. um, Edward Steer and Alta Steer, his daughter, lived in Clinton um, on Jacksboro Pike, which was a kind of a nice area mm-hmm. in, in Clinton, if you've ever been out to Clinton, which is now Main Street, by the okay. way. And... Uh, so, and Edward Steer was the manager of the Mignet um, Mills mm-hmm. there, the big empty abandoned mills that's there today on mm-hmm. John Charles Severe Boulevard. But he worked there, and so he was wanting to go out and see his grandkid. Mm-hmm. So it worked out well for him. It worked out well for Andrew. So they left around. Wanted, yeah, yeah, they left around seven o'clock that night because this all occurred about six o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was only a it was a twenty mile journey. Is that what I'm reading? That's here? right. They must have went the back way, like you know of today. Obviously, yeah. you go down I forty, you get on Mississippi, you yeah, go they, to Clinton. Right. The, this Clinton they, Highway would have been the way that we had gone that way. And there was a there was from the historians that tell me there was a similar road, which is now uh, Highway twenty five, Clinton Highway, mm-hmm. and and there was a similar road there at mm-hmm. the time, but not good. Right. Of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, because so, it's pretty steep in in areas and and windy. Yeah, and that's why they probably wanted the Chandler Six. That's exactly partly, why. 
to get to Clinton and, yes. and then get to Robertsville, which right. is now modern-day Oak Ridge. Correct. So one of the great things, folks, is that Mark has written really a book on this. And yeah, we're going to continue the story here in a moment when we get back from break. But it's going to have for you some maps with um, what the current overlay looks like in the streets. And then he has also overlaid that in another section to show you what it looked like back then. Right. Which I think is fascinating, in my opinion, because it gives you a perspective of exactly what it looked like then and what it looks like now. You know, where Oak Ridge High School is and, you know, where what these are the roads, roads? are. Yes. So I, I tie in the old road to the new road and, and you've got a map of where that overlays. Yeah. This has been an amazing exploration and investigation. And, you know, Mark has had his Indiana Jones hat on, yes. you know, searching for all of these. Amazing, in the kutsu. Yeah. And it's it's been a great thing because, you know, for us, we want to learn more about it because this is a historic event, and we'll tell you why when we continue this story. But, guys, come back and join us in just a couple of minutes. We've got, I think, some amazing stuff to share with you, and this is something that you would want to share with friends and family because it's an amazing story. If you like history, which I do, I love history, you'll want to unpack this and, you know, have it be shared with your friends. If you know people from Knoxville, East Tennessee, this is one of those historic events that has not ever happened again because and we'll tell you in just a few moments exactly what happened, but the individuals who committed this crime, which it's a murder crime, you know, they ultimately paid the ultimate price. And we'll talk more about that and explain to you why that's important when we get back after these messages. Thank you guys for joining us. Don't forget to go to MIGonline.com and visit Mortgage Investors Group. And you can find all of our shows and past shows at thehousinghour.com. Join us right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back in to the Housing Hour. It's Kevin Ray here with executive producer and co-host Mark Griffith. Thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate it, and we are talking about this um, amazing story um, that we have found and Mark has uncovered and investigated and researched and spent a, a lot of time um, working with historians. He's got a little posse of people that he's been working with, mm-hmm. and it's really been an amazing journey. And I've, I've every day when he's come in, I've looked so forward to finding out what he has turned up and what has um, come about during all of his exploration. It's been just really, really cool. Well, and, and the full disclosure is Kevin had to be my uh, editor, yeah. my managing manager of content and yeah. publisher. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you've worn several hats. In the context of, of what my role has been, it's been small. Um, but Mark is great at doing this, and I, I just appreciate his time that he spent. But let's talk about the, the book and where we can find it before mm-hmm. we move on. Where can we find it? What, what's it called? Those type of things. Yeah, so the name of the book is Murder Will Out, mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be located on thehousinghour.com. So if you go to thehousinghour.com, you'll find it, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be out there 
and it's free. It's a free download. It's a mm. free ebook. How much? How many things do you get free? Right. But it's it's about it's it's a fairly large one, but it's not the size of a regular book. So mm-hmm. it's an easy read. You mm-hmm. know, and maybe in in just a couple of hours you can read through it. But you have a lot of historic photos and things, and that's what the historians and what I tried to do is as these guys were driving through from Knoxville to their end destination, which was Oakdale Bank and Trust, which is in Oakdale, Tennessee, which Mm. they were going to rob, I tried to give historical locations of where these events occurred Mm. along the line. So I've actually, with the help of my posse, Mm -hmm. have actually identified the the murder site that's on Black Oak Ridge, which is now North Illinois Avenue. It took you some time to find it, that. It took there me was a lot, several lot other locations that you thought maybe it was. There were some potential other locations, yeah, but like two but or three maybe. There were yes, there were, and they had really realistic. I mean, all of the earmarks of the location we were looking for. But what was what broke it was Dennis Eggert, one of the historians in Oak Ridge, located some folks that um, were in their 80s and 90s mm-hmm. who remembered their parents talking about the murder and they and that locate was located in a chert pit which mm-hmm. is a gravel uh, area that um, highways and roads use to excavate the gravel to pave roads mm-hmm. that bed you know gravel gravel roads back in the right, day right. and they called it the sand pit because they used to go into this pit and play in the sand, and their parents told them, hey, that's a place that a, this guy was murdered in. So they knew this as kids, and they grew up with it, but they didn't know anything more about what happened in that pit. Wow. They didn't know the details of the murder. They just knew, knew that something, something had happened, happened there. in there. Yeah, and, and come to find out, ultimately, you were looking for it just probably no more than a mile from where it was, right? Would you say? We knew that it was within yeah. a mile of yeah. where we were looking because but, of the testimony. Right. But the, the, the other thing that was disguising it was the kudzu, right, that has grown up over it. Well, yes. Kudzu grew, grew over this uh, big gravel pit area that was used back in the 20s. But more importantly, the whole road was moved. Oh, you right. know? So we right. got a uh, Manhattan Project came in in the, in the 40s and totally rerouted everything. Right. And right, so there right. was an old state highway 61 that ran through Oak Ridge. It's on the maps back then. Mm-hmm. And I knew it existed. And right. that's what was part of the Oak Ridge pool story. But when it went, went up, toward Oliver Springs going up Black Oak Ridge, which is now North Illinois, mm-hmm. that highway ducked around off of uh, what is now Iroquois Avenue. Iroquois, right. Iroquois Road right. behind an apartment complex back there. Who mm-hmm. knew? Right. I didn't right. know that. It right. was the historians that told me, hey, that thing kind of curved around really weird. It was hard. So that's because, how things started Yeah, because if you go right now and you go up to towards Harriman and that area. Hilltop. Hilltop, that's the name of the road. What you called it, North Illinois? Is that what you called it? It's North Illinois Avenue coming off of... Hilltop is at right the there at the, the top. Exactly. Where and West Outer is. Yes, exactly. And, and it's it's a historic area of Oak Ridge. Yes. And if you look at a map, you know, where the actual murder site was, was off of the beaten path. But really, at the time, it was right off of the road. And it, it was, still kind of is, but it's a little bit in a different place. And I've got a Google map. Yeah. I've got several maps in there that you can, you can look down on this Google map. I've got it. You can actually see the feature through Google map. Mm-hmm. And you can see the indentation you could see where it used to be i mean it's right. pretty cool when yeah. when they finally fingered it these mm-hmm. these old timers who had it all um they had the knowledge and they told me where it was and i looked at it and I said bingo mm-hmm. and then we were able to get a 1942 aerial photograph 
of right. low altitude aerial photograph supplied by a, a, another historian to me, mm-hmm. uh, Donald Raby, uh, through this other connection, Den- Dennis Eggert and Fred right. Eller. These are my guys. Right. And they said, hey, look at this. And then when we looked at this aerial map back in 1942, you could look and you saw where Old State Highway 61 wrapped around, and then you could see the gravel pit. Wow. Wow, that's so then cool. And then Donald said, I've got something even better than that. He came and he got me the photo at ground level of the gravel pit. Right. He had no idea anything occurred in this area. And now, well, and there was a structure on it, which was a little tavern, right? Yeah, the picture. Which was not has, there. That's correct. And that's all in my ebook. Right. And it explains it in the footnote because the picture there, it's right. It is the actual gravel pit. And it's, it's the it's, actual murder site. Yeah, it's and, the murder site. And what people don't realize, they're right there up on Hilltop and in that apartment complex, behind the apartment complex and on Iroquois Road, mm-hmm. that there was this event that occurred. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to point out the reason why it's historically significant mm-hmm. is the end result of this was the. Uh, the execution of four men uh, mm-hmm. for this grisly crime that we're talking about mm-hmm. that occurred. They were executed on March 1st, 1922 mm-hmm. from the state of Tennessee in Nashville in the death house. How many times has that happened before? It's never, it's only mm-hmm. one time in our state history that four men were executed electric uh, with electrocution on the same day. And it was this four, and they were all four an- from Anderson County, all tied to this Knoxville, Anderson County, Roan County, Morgan County. Uh, wow. I mean, wow. That's amazing. And, and they, they, and everybody's forgotten about it. Right. Exactly. And, and it was old smoky. And the electrocution, the uh, electric chair was, uh, was made from the gallows of, uh, the, from the gallows of the state pen, which, mm-hmm. uh, out of the wood, when they tore it down in 1913, they made the, um, the chair out of some of the wood from the gallows. Wow. And uh, so that became... That's amazing. That became, and, and, and that became known as Old Sparky, but then quickly changed its name to mm-hmm. Old Smoky for mm-hmm. some obvious reasons I have documented in the book. Wow. That's and amazing. that chair is on permanent um, view of the Washington Museum, Crime and Punishment Museum in Washington, D.C. <laughs> that chair's there. And I contacted the curator. I said, look, here's the story. And they just were blown away. I said, we want the story. We want yeah. the story of this chair. Right. So four guys were electrocuted in that chair that you've got. And uh, they're coming, matter of fact. Um, uh, to Dollywood. I, I don't well, know where in Tennessee, but yeah. they're moving the crime museum to Tennessee. Right. And it would make sense where. to to do it in Gatlinburg because of the tourist nature. People come a lot, just like they do in D.C. Matter yes. of fact, I would almost argue that Gatlinburg gets as many tourists as Washington, well, D.C. Well, that same Crime and Punishment Museum owns the Wonderworks. Okay. Is that the museum yeah, up in yeah, okay. yeah, the upside down house? The upside down yes, house, yes. and they own that. But there's, I think, there's a couple of them maybe in Tennessee. So I don't know exactly where they're going to put the museum. I told them I'd like for them to come to Pigeon Forge. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So where we left off in the story was when Andrew Crumley had went by yeah. and, and picked up, and we're going to continue it after this segment. But they had picked up George um, at the apartment complex. Um, George had a daughter who lived in Clinton who also had his grandkids. Yeah. So he said, well, great opportunity for me to be able to go and stop by and see my, my grandkids and my, my daughter. <clears throat> so when we get back after these messages, we're going to continue that, um, that route. We're going to talk about 
what happened when they did arrive to their location and then we will talk about what happened um, after the murder was um, actually happened, perpetrated. It, perpetrated, but then what happened after that, the steps that yeah. really caught these folks, actually, because of one of the survivors yeah. of the attempted murder on him. So join us again right after these messages. We'll continue talking about this murder will out. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, it's Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith, executive producer and co-host. Uh, we want to thank Mortgage Investors Group, our sponsor. Go to MIGonline.com. You also can find us at TheHousingHour.com. We're also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash TheHousingHour, Twitter at TheHousingHour, and Mark has a, a great Pinterest account as well. You can find <laughs> him there. Anyway, we want to continue in this story, and the one thing that I wanted to point out is that when they drove from uh, from Knoxville to, which is Cumberland Avenue, right? The Strip now. Yeah, they were on right? the corner of Cumberland and State Street. So that's where they came from, and it was about a 20-mile journey. I can't even imagine how long that took. Probably, Probably about a couple an hour. hours. About, yeah, about an hour, hour and, and a half, half, maybe. Yeah, because today it would take you 25 minutes yeah. at the most, maybe 20. Um, and it's still a windy road even to this day. But anyway, so that's where they came from. And the two men who they picked up, what were their names again? Uh, John McClure and John Petrie and, and Charles Charles Petrie. Petrie right and they gave him directions to went to Clinton a hotel and, right yeah they went to Clinton or a boarding and, house well it was a hotel and they call it hotel and boarding house it was called okay. Watt Hotel I could not locate it uh, Anderson County Historical Society really helped me trying to pinpoint this location but they told me that a lot of the houses and boarding houses were right around the depot mm-hmm. in uh, on right downtown uh, Clinton. So I know it was right around downtown area of Clinton. So still another thing you can continue to explore and investigate. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So Watt Hotel is where their destination was. And when they they, got there, he threw them a a curveball, didn't he? Yeah, so only one guy got out of the car, went to the uh, boarding house, and picked up two additional fellas. So maybe a total of four bad guys, um, Otto Stevens and Tom Christmas. They were staying in the boarding house. All four of them were staying in the boarding house. And they came down, and the owner overheard them speaking that, this is a fast car. So she knew something was up, you know, I think. And she was test- she testified in the court uh, proceedings. But anyway, they all got in the car, and again, they said, we just want you to drive out in the country with no specific location. Then they started, you know, Andrew Crumley protested and said that, hey, you know, this, the, you know, I know what you guys are up to. This is illegal hooch. You're going, we're going to, I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to get involved in this. You guys get out of the cab. He said, no, 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 you're not going to, none, none of this is going to happen. And they said, well, what's in the bag? You know, is that robbery tools? You're going to be, you know, breaking in and entering into something. So they had all these conversations. We know this because John McClure made the statements to the paper about this conversation when they were getting into the taxi. 
So did he ever show him what was in the bag? Never showed him what was in the bag, but, but they, he convinced. But them. these were smooth talkers, and right. they were they were nicely dressed and young guys. And so finally, the guard went down. Except the fact, and here's what I point to: George Lewis went into the taxi for the sole purpose of seeing his daughter and grand grandchild. He didn't get out of the car. He stayed with Andrew Crumley. In my opinion, George Lewis was protecting his friend. He knew something was up. I just get this feeling. He didn't get out of the car. My wife pointed this out to me. He said, he didn't get out. He didn't, And you would have gotten out to see your grandkid. Right. He didn't. So something was up. Right. And uh, that's why he stuck with his buddy. Hmm. So whenever they, um, <clears throat> obviously the guys, the bad guys, yeah. um, convinced these two in whatever way. We don't know how he, they convinced them, um, but they smooth-talked them. Smooth-talked them. It was not by force <clears throat> at this point. No, not at all. And right. they were So they were driving out. Uh, down uh, Old State Highway 61, which is now turns into what currently we know as Oak Ridge Turnpike, mm-hmm. and is heading down toward Oliver Springs. So it mm-hmm. passes the center part of Oak Ridge, and then they turn right at the new Kroger stores right there at the Oak Ridge Turnpike. So they come all the, Illinois, all the way through all the way through currently Oak Ridge by Crystal, by exactly. St. Mary's Church, by yes. the Oak Ridge High School, and yes. all that. And the new so Oak Ridge High School. That's pretty much the same road. Um, it's, it kind of takes the same track, but it, then it, it turns once it gets up by the Kroger's, right? Yeah, so right there at Raleigh Road mm-hmm. is the old state Highway 61, so people are on there. And that's Collins Roberts Crossroads right there. So that's all in my book. So it kind of defines where the crossroads And there's that the pillar um, bridge. Rock that, pillar bridge. Was that also a part of this route? Yes, it was okay. an absolute part so of So they would route. have had to have crossed over the pillar bridge? They certainly did. Wow, that's pretty cool. And that was part of the Oak Ridge Pool blog that I was right. writing about. Exactly. That's, that's how I found all this stuff. Right. So they were traveled up that way, and they made it on top of the Black Oak Ridge, and that's when they said, stop the car. Mm-hmm. And they made the car pull over, and they, and they uh, got the two men out of the, out of the vehicle, uh, mm-hmm. George Lewis and Andrew Crumley. And those guys knew something was up at that point. They're being held at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. So all three, three of the guys had guns. and um, That was know, what was in the bag. That was what was in the bag. <laughs> yeah. And there were burglar tools because they broke into the Oak, Oakdale Bank and Trust later. But right. they took them into it. They, Charles Petrie grew up in the area of Black Oak Ridge. Mm-hmm. So he knew about this sand pit area, right. this chert pit. And so he knew the location. And he took the guys there. And all four of them walked those two men into that sand pit. And that's where um, uh, they were going to tie them up. Original plan was to tie them up and just leave them there. But George Lewis looked at Charles Petrie, or vice versa. Charles Petrie looked into George Lewis and said, hey, I believe I know you. And George Lewis responded back, and this was the mistake. He said, I do believe I know you too. And so at that point, Mm. everything changed in the pit. They started getting a lot more hostile, and they ended up slitting their throats. Mm -hmm. Well, when he told him, I think I know you too, obviously that put him in a position to maybe have to ID. quiet these gentlemen. Yeah, I think that changed it. They they both report to the police after capture that they had no intention of killing these men. That was not the original plan. They all said that. But something changed in the pit, and three of them didn't, weren't really sure why this occurred, but it did occur. They knew that it occurred. They didn't deny that it was occurred. Was it Otto Stevens, you said? Um, I believe Otto Stevens was the cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, at the, but there's but no, you don't know that for sure. I don't know that for sure. He did admit it to a jailman. At, it was in the Knoxville paper uh, that he did admit it, but then he denied it. So mm-hmm. one of the four did it, but it didn't really matter to the uh, 
to the um, uh, courts. No. They, they really didn't try to find out who did it. No. They were just prosecuting they, yeah. all four men. Because the defense, uh, looking forward, actually tried to get the trial separated, right? Yeah, they, uh, they uh, issued a motion of severance to separate these men out, but uh, the judge had, would have no part of it. They mm-hmm. all tried together, and, um, and that's how they were captured. So whenever, they, whenever the um, twos, their necks yeah. were slit— yeah. And they had been they had been tied up. They had been bound in the mouth, yep. um, and that may have ultimately been what saved Crumley's life. Yeah. So George Lewis died as a result of the cut in his throat right there in the sandpit. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Crumley tried to help him, but realized he was dead. Panic with his hands behind his back, his mouth gagged, and his throat slit himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, made it out of the pit after these men had left. So they these guys did their dirty deed, got in their car, and took off toward. Harriman in Oakdale, mm-hmm. and so um, the uh, Andrew Crumley was still alive. They did not know that he feigned death, mm-hmm. so that's what they thought he was dead. But mm-hmm. George Lewis was was because they hit him in the head. There was a other there are a lot of other details to the book. I'm not going to go into. You can get it. It's free mm-hmm. download. Right. Read read the details of what happened. They were they, he was you know just kind of like convulsing. Mm-hmm. So um, what happened was George. George, uh, Andrew Crumley eventually left the pit and tried to go through Oak, uh, Robertsville area, Black mm-hmm. Oak Ridge, to get help. And I uh, there wasn't a, a lot of homes nearby, no. but there was a couple, right? There were a couple. I've got his because he gave testimony of his path, so I was able to recreate it on a map on the old 1942 map. Mm-hmm. So we see his path, and uh, you can kind of get a sense. And so it goes into the detail of how how he survived and who helped him, which was. Uh, John W. Key, who owned Key Store, mm-hmm. which is a famous store in Oak Ridge. Right. So a lot of details to all of this where mm-hmm. people can go. But these men continued on after that dirty deed, and they went down to Oakdale Bank and Trust to break into it because Otto Stevens and Tom Christmas were from Harriman. So they knew about the bank. And this was a railroad town. Right. A railroad town. So that was very popular, and there was a lot of money in that bank, at least. Right, before. and Typically, there was a lot of people who knew one another. Everybody knew each yeah. other. So so they tried to break in. They, um, the, It was foiled because the uh, cashier of the bank uh, recognized Otto Stevens because he grew up with Otto Stevens. So it was kind of a bungled job. It was really comical. But they, they made their escape, and they were eventually captured. They got no money. Got no money. And it had nothing to do with the fact that Crumley had survived. Had nothing to do with that. That was just a coincidence. They were, they thought those guys were dead, and they walked in, and, and the the, bank... the foiled attempt was because Otto, I'm sorry, Tom Christmas was basically one of the guys recognized him, one of the employees. Otto Stevens was. Um, oh. was Otto Stevens was. He grew up in, in Oakdale. And so did Christmas, right? And Tom Christmas did, too. Yeah. But uh, gotcha. Otto Stevens was recognized by the ah, bank tellers because gotcha. they all grew up, even though they had false mustaches and right. bandit, uh, and masks on. <laughs> <laughs> so they got captured, and eventually um, they were brought to trial. And so we don't know exactly how it was bungled. More details are in the book. Oh, the, yeah. There's there's a ton of details of right. how this went down. So check and how it out. Went. Check that piece out. I mean, the whole book is fascinating, and I would love for you guys to check it out. And we're going to wrap it up in our next segment. But I tell you what, this is really one of those um, events that happened in East Tennessee that has never happened in, in before or after. And it was an incredibly... Um, 
kind of evil event that I think is incredibly interesting because of the fact that the four it was individuals— considered, It was considered the most gruesome murder at that time in yeah, East Tennessee history. He, yes, and and you know what? may not be too far. The, the, the most current one would probably rise to being the most evil. Right. That— um, I can't even remember the, the the whole story, but it was awful, and so was this one. But we're going to wrap it up right after these messages. Join us right here on the Housing Hour. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, my name is Kevin Ray. I'm here with my uh, co-host and executive producer, Mark Griffith. Thank you guys for joining us again. And we were talking about the book that Mark wrote, Murder Will Out. And we want to make sure that you guys know that you can go download that for free at thehousinghour.com. In this story... If you think about the Shannon Christian and uh, Chris Newsom story, um, which was the event that really rises probably the most gruesome evil act in East Tennessee history, previous to that, this certainly would have lived up to that name, I would say. Oh, it was certainly yeah. the biggest story yeah. of the day. And, it was all um, national news. It was national news. National newspapers. They didn't have CNN back then, but and it the, certainly would have been on CNN. It was. And I, as far as all the newspapers, that was the CNN for the day. Mm-hmm. And um, Alf Taylor was the 34th governor of the state of Tennessee and was highly involved in it. When they were trying to chase down the desperados, he was saying to the press, oh, they're, they've already escaped. They're, mm-hmm. they're gone. And uh, the sheriff, uh, Walter Roberts, out of Harriman, said, nah, I'll get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he got, got a posse. He had he, literally he got a posse. A posse. There was, there There's was pictures of this, too, folks. There's 500 posses throughout the county. He had his own four-man posse, and he caught him. Yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, they're like headhunters. I mean, these guys truly... were these were guys were businessmen, mm-hmm. uh, other than Walter, uh, the sheriff, Roberts. But uh, they were, these, these guys were bad. And I mean, obviously, these four individuals who were on the run were very cunning and baffling and and, and so much so that they were, you know, they killed two men. They tried to rob a bank. They weren't so smart that they were able to successfully do that. But they weren't just going to be caught just like that. I mean, they were smart enough to hide. Two of them, uh, Otto Stevens and Tom Christmas, held out for 15 days in the mountains right above Oakdale Mm. with the help of a friend. Mm. But uh, finally, you know, they had to give up and they got caught. You know, Mm -hmm. Roberts caught them. But um, one of the things, when they finally got convicted, the 34th governor um, of Tennessee was kept on. People were trying to say, don't, you know, commute to send the death sentence to life imprisonment. Mm -hmm. You know, don't kill all four of these guys. You know, uh, reduce, reduce. And he wouldn't do it. And he made a statement to the press. And and he was finally got so tired of hearing family members trying to sway him to commute this sentence. He left the Capitol building and went to his home and wrote a press release and sent it to the press. And part of it read, to shoot a man down is horrible, to cut his throat in cold blood is horrible, to tie man's behind men's hands behind them and then gag them and then cut their throats is unspeakable horrible this is the crime for which four men stand convicted lewis begging for his life died floundering in his own blood crumbly survived to tell the awful story murder will out and that's where i got my title right and that's fascinating and that's you know the governor spoke 
very well about this, and that is exactly the way I would have felt. And there was attempts to um, stay the execution. There was appeals. It went all the way to the Tennessee Supreme Court. That's where I got the record from the Supreme Court. Thankfully, yes, that was there. Unfortunately, the the case trial in Clinton. It was the court was uh, the trial was held in Clinton, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that uh, complete case was destroyed from a collapsing roof during a heavy rain. So mm. a lot of files were lost. This one was one of them that was lost. But we still have a, a, an executive summary, if you will, from the Supreme Court mm -hmm. that I was able to attain. And that's what was given to the Supreme Court of Tennessee when these folks were trying to, you know, save Appeal. their lives. Right. right. But the fact is they, in fact, were, they were executed. They were executed talk, on March 1st, 1922. Talk about that because there was some interesting stuff. Going well, on. it was ha happened at the Death House in, in Nashville, Tennessee, which, by the way, is where the Green Mile with Tom Hanks was filmed oh, uh, wow. because of uh, Old Smokey. So that, that story is a direct result of the Death House of this chair. So wow. there's huge connections there. And uh, so what those four, what the attorney for one of them witnessed was unspeakable horrible in that death chamber that's part of the story that you need to read it i don't want to talk about it on air absolutely well it is a great book it's a nine chapter book and it walks you all the way through the story mark has done a great job with it thank you for sharing it with well, us. i had a lot of help yeah well we appreciate that and the posse the and posse. you can find all of those credits if you download the free book at thehousinghour.com we want to thank you for joining us today and also thank our sponsor, The Housing Hour. I'm sorry, Mortgage Investors Group. And guys, join us back next week right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.